0: You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to episode 371 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I am Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Fosma Moon and Seth Miller.
1: Hello. Hello. And a winter storm. And a winter yeah. storm. Does it have a name? Is it Karen? It does. It's not Karen. <laughs> I think it is a K. I don't know. Elgin? <laughs> Which is not a K, obviously. But no, it, it does have a name.
2: Oh, I recently looked, learned that the way they used to name storms was the <laughs> forecasters would name them after their wives and mother-in-laws.
1: <laughs> specifically for winter storms?
2: And that changed like probably 30 years ago or so.
1: Just, wait, minute. Minute. 30 years ago, we didn't name winter storms. Not winter storms, hurricanes and stuff. I mean, that doesn't entirely surprise me. So, right, the, but the hurricanes were alphabetical and male female alternating. Yeah. Like, At
2: one point, they weren't. I don't know if they, they were mean, always male female or if they were just yeah. female, but there was, it was forget where I read that. But that was like, I'm like oh, that makes sense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. So you guys are in for it. Well, Seth's in for it. Foz, not so much. Mm,
2: hopefully not. I'm on the outer edge. If it's Daisy East, I'm fine.
0: I I love how the predictions for this, like we've, we've come so far. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to get between two inches and two feet. Uh, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, you're not even close. Um, that's, that's insane to me. And we're, we're not less than 24 hours before this hits
2: 24 hours. We're like four hours. (laughs) Like we have no idea. It's supposed to start at midnight. It's 8 (laughs) PM. We still, and we won't know until like it starts. Oh, no, you won't know until it's over. Excuse me. Well, yeah, that's right. What well, I was going to say, we <laughs> won't know until it's over how much we're really going to get. Well, you know, we still don't know. It could shift. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the last time on the show, we kind of hinted at this, but Foz, you had some, you've had some travel travails uh, recently. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. You, you, need,
2: you need me to relive that whole thing? Yeah. I um, think for our <laughs> listeners, it's the right thing to do. Um, well, so what was it? Two weeks ago, I was flying from Orlando to Houston should be a relatively easy two-and-a-half-hour flight. Now, thunderstorms were predicted in Houston in the afternoon, um, but we left Orlando on time. I fell asleep somewhere over the Gulf. Woke up to realize we're circling. I'm like, well, this can't be good. (laughs) And uh, I think we circled. Apparently, we circled for about half an hour or so, and then we diverted to New Orleans. With, I want to say, six or seven other planes um, getting diverted to New Orleans. Now, when we got to New Orleans, which was unusual for me for a diversion, we went straight to a gate. Huh. Mental note, if you ever get a gate on a diversion, start looking for alternate options.
1: <laughs> <I'm>
2: sorry. <laughs> so, cause, so, you know, they, they say well, you know, we'll be here for a little bit. And an hour later, they come back and say, well, uh, they start talking about, I overhear from the cockpit that they're talking about being timed out. And so they tell people, well, you can get off the plane. There's a number of other options that are diverted here. So you can probably get on one of those, uh, but you don't have to. So still not telling people that they have timed out. And about 15 minutes later, 10 minutes later, they said, oh, yeah, everyone needs to get off the plane because we, we we're timed out. And so uh, as we deboard, there's the scheduled uh, New Orleans to Houston flight that's delayed getting ready to board. Gate agent refused to uh, book anyone on that flight. Seriously, I'm only, yeah, I'm only going to board people if you need to get booked. You need to go talk to someone else, and the lines are all crazy. Um, I went down. There's a club in the basement. Apparently, went down there. She didn't. I. Um, she booked me on the next one, not the delayed. The which was the delayed was like a two o'clock. There was a five o'clock, which was supposed to go. Which of course, United has posted on time. So I'm like, fine. It's an extra half an hour or whatever. End up getting delayed in a number of hours. But of course, you know, at boarding time, they kick you out of the club to go board and at boarding time comes, boarding time goes and they just wait. And then at departure time, they finally decide, Oh yeah, we're going to tell you we're delaying it two hours.
1: <laughs> Did you at least have a plane on the ground? No. Well, that's a pretty good indication. You weren't going to go on time.
2: Excuse me. Excuse me. The plane was that plane okay. was there. That plane was there. Okay. That, that, that plane came in on time. uh and it, for the, for a scheduled departure. So it was ready to go for, for our original scheduled time. Um, yeah, I mean, but United just absolutely yeah. dropped the ball, right? Like they, they, they're so. What I as I was watching Flight Radar, had we been able to stay in the air for another ten minutes, we would have made it in because there was a, an American Miami Houston flight that stayed circling for another ten minutes, and they went straight into Houston when it reopened. So, wow. like, 738 had plenty of space for more fuel. Why they didn't load more fuel knowing that the crew would time out if they diverted, it just escapes me. And the fact that they just waited so long, that a delayed flight, the, the previous the delayed flight from 2 o'clock that was bo- uh, leaving just as we were getting off, went out half empty.
0: So the, they one go- that the, the one that the agent wouldn't put anybody on? Yep. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean... On the one hand, my guess is the agent was the only person working the gate and had to get the plane out so it could get in the sequence and like not lose its slot. On the other hand, it still sucks for passengers.
2: Well, and that's fine, but why the fuck didn't Ops restart rebooking people when they knew p- the crew was going to die out?
1: Yeah, just people like send, as send one of the agents the plane. send a spare agent in from the front counter up from the club, but who are there any spare agents anymore?
2: Uh, the club only had one agent, so I, I, I probably not, but they've got the technology to do this. The yeah. air Ops flow in the app didn't even work. Because yeah. they, didn't, they didn't flag the flight. Because for like, the
1: flow to the work... Flight, the, the flight wasn't still marked as on the ground and uh, open?
2: Well, so what I've learned over time is the only way you get the rebooking, the red flag, is if so, someone has to flip a switch somewhere.
1: Mm. On, it's the, not a, on your inbound that got screwed or on the plane that you're trying to get to?
2: On the flight that you're on or the or, or the flight you're about to go out on, right? It doesn't, yeah. Whatever flight you're on, when there's an air op, there's supposed to be a button. Because it, it, the times of when it shows up varies every time. So it's not automated.
0: Hmm. Well, you got to – I mean, the upside is you got to see uh, the inside of the new airport.
2: Which was, admittedly, very nice. I didn't I didn't
1: realize there was a United Club there. There is in the – it's on in the ground floor. They huh. made a big deal. That, that was one of the ones – when that airport opened, it was like one of three new clubs that year, I want to say. Huh? It was like that, like a Fort Lauderdale remodel and RDU maybe. I remember that being news. And yeah, like LAX, uh, Polaris maybe opened the same time. mm like when United
2: invested in lounges?
0: <laughs> I've thought about writing a post about how crappy the United clubs are
1: in general. I mean, but, but That'll attract a lot of winning conversations.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, I, but to be fair, all the clubs are mediocre at this point.
0: And I, w- I would disagree. I think Delta's got the best recipe, honestly.
2: I, I'm always underwhelmed, and maybe it's just because I always go to New York.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think anyway, we can talk about some, we can talk about it some other time. I just think that United's clubs, especially, I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do in Newark, and if it makes the situation any better, I have my doubts. Um, but they're putting something out into the C three
1: pier, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a new they're
2: new, new they're United building club a there, whole mezzanine level yeah. for a giant club.
1: Yeah, new, new Orleans and RDU were both announced in early 2019. When on the day they opened the Polaris <laughs> Lounge in LAX, January 2019.
0: I didn't realize RDU had one too. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, yeah. Um. Well, so you finally made it. How late were you getting into Houston?
2: I think I was supposed to get in at three thirty, and I got in at ten.
0: Oh gosh, you've been better
2: off driving almost. No. I, if I had driven, if I got in the car when I diverted,
1: I would have gotten to Houston before I oh. got there. Yeah. Okay, from from New Orleans. I was, thinking, yeah, I, was yes. like, I was thinking from Orlando. I was like, absolutely not.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> from 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 New Orleans. Yeah, and that's a pretty easy.
1: It's a pretty easy, easy drive. Easy yeah. I can. Um, Fuzz, it was 1979 when they went from women's names to men's and women's names for the storms. See? I looked that up while we were talking about this, and I, I said 40 years. Yeah, here, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Also, apparently, in 2020, we retired the. Names, Ada and Iota. So I guess like that whole, like when you run out of regular letters, you start using the Greek names. Greek letters, we're, apparently we've decided there are certain Greek letters we're no longer allowed to use. So be, because what,
0: it would be
2: repetitive? I
1: don't... <laughs> well, no. They retire the names when the storms are so severe that it would be inappropriate. Uh,
2: like like flight numbers.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You guys remember when they switched, sorry, just speaking of flight numbers and retirements, when they switched the flight planning software from United to Continental and put a couple flight numbers back into the system and people freaked the hell out? Yeah, hey, didn't they put 93 back in? I I don't remember if '93 went in, but one or two like other accidents went back in, and pe- like the o- the DC-10
0: mm-hmm.
1: at O'Hare, yeah. I think that number's gone. And people like truly freaked out, like it was the biggest affront they had ever seen to history. Anyway.
0: the things we get worked up over.
1: Well, let's fly talk. So
0: yeah, I mean that's true. Uh,
1: tell me about Skybot Cam, Seth. So this one came in from a friend of ours. Um, hey, Mac-A-Man, if you're listening, uh, thinking I would put one on my roof, which. I actually am strongly strongly considered it, but uh, ultimately decided the views weren't worth it. This is a guy who came up with the idea of using an old security camera and an ADSB receiver mm-hmm. and linking them all together through, I think he's using Azure, but uh, sort of a system where when the ADSB receiver pings that there's something directly overhead, it sends controls to the camera to point in that direction and snap a picture, which then gets uploaded to a website that looks in the picture to try to identify an airplane and if it can identify an airplane, crops it, captions it, and then uploads it to a website. <laughs> and so he ends up with like just random collection of like, this is an airplane over my ha- over my house. <laughs> and it's like old ex outdoor security camera quality footage of planes, 30,000 feet away. So um, not the best photos to say the least, but it's pretty amusing.
2: <laughs> Almost reminds me of the BA uh, marketing.
1: Yes. In uh, London. Yeah, like, like, they'd have a billboard with an arrow and ever as planes landing, and when the plane like was in the right place, it would flash on the board what plane it was.
0: Oh, that's cool. I did, yeah, I, so. I, never, I, I heard you guys talk about that, but I didn't ever realize what it was.
2: Yeah, it would identify the plane as it was going over. I think the M one or uh, one of the highways, and point at it and say that flight's coming in from blah. Huh.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat idea. I, I I just remembered we do have a little bit of follow up. I I wanted to talk briefly about the the drones. Uh in Abu Dhabi? Abu, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, we had talked about it briefly and we didn't really understand what was why, you know, we just thought maybe people were violating uh you know the the air, airspace, but in reality it seems like it's a little more severe than that.
1: Yeah, there was that whole uh rebels claimed to have flown a drone into Abu Dhabi airport airspace and crashed it near a fuel truck. Yeah. And blew yeah. up the fuel truck maybe? Yeah. Yeah, so oops. So,
0: yes, that would be why things are banned right now, why, why uh, drones are banned. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't, I mean, I th- I, th- I think
0: there's been some other slight attacks, right?
1: Uh, oh. This isn't the first drone attack in the UAE that I'm aware of, I don't think. Yeah, so, yeah I think you're right. Um, but I don't know, there seems to be, I'm not sure that saying you can't fly drones is, is going to actually stop the attack. So, yeah, I guess maybe it helps if they see anything they can know immediately to try to take it out because it shouldn't be there. Yeah. Like, even if it's in a quote unquote approved space?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's a video up, too, of uh, there was a, a, a rocket attack apparently in Baghdad, um, and it was targeted and targeting the uh, U.S. Embassy there. Yeah. And that video shows the uh, anti rocket, anti missile system kicking in. Uh, and that's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, apparently <laughs> so, the UAE got really pissed at people for posting images of, uh, I want to say, like a similar anti missile system. Activating somewhere. Oh, really? Or maybe it was the pictures of this drone attack. I don't know. It was something like that. But it was one of those like, if there's no photos of it, it didn't happen. Yeah. Which, I mean, in some ways, I sort of get like, if the rebels, you know, don't know what they hit or don't have video of what happened, does it, you know, help help or hurt or hurt their chances of doing it again? Versus, you know, being able to use it for propaganda later. But yeah,
0: yeah. Interesting uh information control there for yeah. sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, Greece, Cyprus and Turkey and all the airport drama that's going on there.
1: Well, you know, Cyp... Well, maybe you do or don't know. Cyprus is a disputed territory. Yes. So there's Cyprus and North Cyprus. The Northern side is, is Turkish and the rest of it is not, um, to put it <laughs> bluntly. Um, and there's been, I guess it's called the green line or the green zone, right? Um, uh, that sort of divides the capital city and has been a, uh, relatively, I'll say calm and peaceful detente for a long time now. Um, So like it's good and it's okay, but there's still um, some problems going on there. And I guess Turkey controls the airport on the North side and the airport on the South side is local. And there's some challenges I guess they want to make, but I guess the Turk, even though it's a Turkish airport, it's still treated as international flights. And now there's Turkey, even going into Turkey, it's still, you still have to click as a separate, uh, you know, passport control and whatever. It's not, it's not actually a domestic flight. Yeah. Um, and now apparently there's some discussion on uh, possibly making it a domestic flight. No. <laughs> um, and that's not surprisingly causing a lot of uh,
0: trouble. Are, is it the Greeks causing the issue? Like, are they saying this this claims some kind of sovereignty? Then, if yeah. these are domestic
1: flights, I believe that's and and I'm trying to find the story again to make sure I'm getting the details right, and I'm having trouble because I know who sent it to us, and I still can't find it. Um, but it's uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's that Turkey is basically using it as a sovereignty claim, and mm. uh, yeah, and these days Turkey does a lot of stuff like that. So. Yeah. Oh, um, how
0: how Russian of them. Um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, that's I mean, I, I guess it's I, I didn't realize that there was actually another airport in Cyprus. I thought there was just
1: on the, the north one. side. Yeah, I didn't realize that was yeah, hang airport, on. I, I just found the story. So let me just uh, make sure I got it right. Yeah. Uh, Aircon, ERCAN uh, is uh, the name of the airport. And there is debate as to whether it should become a ter- domestic Turkish airport. Um and opposition figures say the move would make it a province of Turkey, not surprisingly, and it is a par- it's a lo- it's actually a Cypriot Turkish Republic of northern cyprus uh parliamentary elections, so it's not even the Greeks getting involved um oh well
0: okay
1: yeah F- Flights may be repriced as domestic uh yeah this is it's a tough situation yeah um yeah. and i you know I, I can't claim to understand all the nuance and detail of the you know local appeal, you know, the local push for sovereignty and whatever, given the long and storied history of the different sides there, but um, the even though it's, quote-unquote, the Turkish side, um, the the Greek, or excuse me, it, it's even though it's called the Turkish side, it's still relatively, at this point, well aligned with Cyprus, which is a Euro member, and there's sort of a, like I said, the green zone is a, the green line is an open border at this point, so mm-hmm. um, switching that over could cause some trouble Right? Would they have to put a border back up? And it's almost like the Brexit thing of, well, if you do that, then we need a border between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And how yeah. are you going to establish that? Because the, what's it, the Easter, the, yeah,
0: the resolution,
1: yeah. Agreement, what's it called? Whatever that agreement that said there can't be a border there. So, um and they still haven't sorted it out. Yeah.
0: I didn't realize there was still an RAF base in in on Cyprus, hmm. which which is crazy to me. Hmm. Yeah, down on the south, very far south side. So. Interesting.
1: Yeah, of Worth is a great destination to visit, or it was when I went many years ago. Yeah, it looks it looks beautiful. Yeah, we did. Uh, we went for New Year's on an Allitalia mistake fair. Toronto to Cyprus, for like two hundred bucks business class round trip. Nice. Um, well, it was allitalia terrible business class, so it wasn't that nice. But. Uh, I mean, it's still business class for 200 bucks. Yeah, but it was really bad. It was you like, like, I think maybe my seat was broken or something, but it was like, it was, I have slept better in, you know, 28-inch pitch coach than I did on that flight. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. No, it was, it was just a really bad flight over. Um, it was a lovely experience to be in Cyprus. We got a couple of days in Milan also. We did a layover, but... uh. We did New Year's in Cyprus and like New Year's Eve or the day before we went, you know, woke up in our, we were saying that there was a little meridian down on the waterfront and thanks like, Nicosia or something like that. So woke up on the beach, drove up into the mountains and had a snowball fight and then drove back down to, you know, <laughs> dinner of a sort of Mediterranean, Meze, whatever. Uh, Cause there's, it's, there's a big mountain in the middle of it because it's a small volcano and there was snow at the top. It's pretty cool.
0: Mount Olympus. Would you say?
1: Is it? Yeah. Yeah. know. Um, not think I've a geography, it turns out. <laughs>
0: um, I want to talk about BA leaving JFK Terminal 7 in December. Yes. This is, I mean, we all know that t- Terminal 7 is going away yeah. eventually, and it's going to be rebuilt. So everyone's going to have to leave at some point. Um, is this BA kind of giving some hints as to when the actual renovation of T7 or the teardown of T7 is going to happen, do you think? I've heard
2: 2023 is when it's closing. Okay.
0: So that would be that would make sense, because at the end of the year, they, they're out.
2: I mean, who else is in T-7 right now other than United and
1: Alaska? Uh,
0: there's a couple of international carriers. I is can't they, remember. Ukraine,
1: Aerolinius. Yeah. Uh, I had this up the other day. Iceland to, is it Ic-
2: Iceland used to be there. One, one of the Qatar flights was there too, right?
1: So Qatar is listed only as T-8 now on the website, but I don't know if that's because they actually got both flights into T-8 or because something else is going on there. Who uh, we got? Aerolinius, Argentina, Alaska, ANA, BA, Eurowings, really? How the hell is Eurowings doing that and not using T1 with, with Uh Iberia, who has said they're also going to move over later this year to T8, um, but super awkward, right, for Iberia to not get any of the branding, <laughs> even though they're like part of the same JV, but clearly it's all about the 14 daily flights to London. Uh, Iceland Air, lot Polish, Bahrain. Ukraine, United, yeah, that's it. From the website. So, you know, I mean ANA is actually one I guess it's only one or two flights a day. They'll probably find room for them in what T four?
0: T four or T one.
1: Yeah, T one maybe. Yeah, I mean T one's got no room. Well, who knows what anything is anymore. But T one had no room for evening departures. So I mean you could do the eleven AM departure, but I don't <laughs> know. I don't remember what evening. time the afternoon departure was.
0: What about the what about the T isn't it like T two that's like that little that little dump of a terminal next to T one?
1: Yeah. yeah, the
2: Delta one.
0: Isn't that one going away as well?
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. When does that happen? Same time? No, it's a different project, so okay. I don't think so. But the so T7 has to go away so the T5 expansion into t- the new T6 can be built. Okay. And they're actually building a real T6, not just the portables. Um, <laughs> that was what it was when JetBlue first started operations. So,
0: okay, so let's let's walk through that then. So they're going to take T5 they're going to expand it out, make a true T6. Will they build a new T7? That's not part of the initial plan, I don't think. So T7
2: just
1: kind of goes away, and T6 becomes... I think there's gates on the back of T6 where the T7 footprint is now, maybe? Yeah,
2: because T6 is going to end up using the real estate where 7 is, so I don't know where you would put 7.
1: Okay. I got the pictures here. Right, because it's
2: supposed to just be three terminals by the end of it. Was that not the plan?
1: Eight,
2: one, and two, or whatever it was?
1: Well, they'll be like the the four complex, the five complex, the one complex, and the eight complex.
2: I thought the one complex was going to move into the other one, the four complex, at some point.
1: That's a really long hallway. Yeah, um, it is where France is. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I tried. Um, I'm trying to find the picture there. So this is... Because it just seems
0: like... I mean, they're mov- it just seems like shuffleboard, right? Like I mean, all the terminals right now, besides five
1: and... Eight are kind of dumps. Four is okay.
2: Still give me yes, a
1: shitty airport. The new one, the new T one is going to replace one and two, and sort of where three was, and become more, more significantly more useful gate space. But sort of like the taxiway for T four, how it sort of angles in at the end there. Yeah, um, will be mirrored on the other half of T uh, one. So that's part of it. So I'm trying to find the pictures. Um, yeah, there's some. And does, does JetBlue get exclusive use
0: of this new terminal or is it shared no.
1: space? It's so, well, JetBlue is still going to be the operator of T5, but it's it's going to be a lot of partners in the T6 side now. Okay. Um, and so I still can't get over the fact that British Airways invested so much money in T7 just in time for, uh, it to go away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, so here we go. The original JFK rebuild was announced in 2017. Um, And yeah, the T, so there's like, yeah, the T1, T2 complex that there's the T4 basically stays as is, although I think part of it's going to extend or could extend. T5 extends across where six and seven were, and then eight, this isn't actually the version of eight that's going to happen, but uh, eight is going to, at one point had the opportunity to like completely redesign and reshape into fingers coming out rather than parallel concourses with the underground, Mm -hmm. but it's keeping the underground, and I think they said they could the far pier could still be extended or expanded to handle more larger planes. Uh, But one of the interesting things to me is how they're going to do, I mean, the the evening rush at T eight was no joke with wide body outbounds and adding BAs, wide bodies in, they added a few extra gates with the work that they're doing, but it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that.
0: Yeah. Especially if BA brings back a three eighties, right?
1: Never had three eighties. JFK.
0: Never, never did. Okay.
2: If they extend out the main pier to the North, right because it's basically you just drops off right at the where the terminal enters you can push flights out out of that way back towards the where T7 so, is and stuff right because right now most of the traffic goes south
1: yeah but that's and that's where the expansion was but it's only like there's only room to put in two or three contact gates there
2: yeah it, it's not a ton of space but they can get a couple of gates in there yeah but um, if they start using those then they can push planes to the north to get out of the terminal complex
1: um whereas traditionally right now they go to the south yeah so That'll be, I'm not sure how the taxiways are going to get affected by that. But I mean, the lounge situation is going to be super interesting to me, yeah. also. So, no more Concord room at JFK? Or do you think they build one in TA? Well, they are, but they're not going to call it that, I don't think. Right, right? Like, the history of that going back to actual Concorde operations is pretty cool. Yeah. And then it was their sort of super premium, paid first or very, very frequent flyer, higher than gold card uh, members. Um, and now they're building a. They're going to sort of update the uh, flagship dining experience to replace the Concord Room, essentially, with a champagne bar um, and various other things. Uh, then there's going to be a true first-class lounge mm-hmm. with dining available. Um, although I don't know. It was unclear if it's a la carte or just buffet. I think it's just buffet. And then a business class also still with food available at lounge. And then... And all three of those are going to be basically in the existing or expanded footprint of lounge space uh, in the concourse Concourse be the main part of T8. Mm-hmm. And then if you have an Admirals Club membership or status that gets you in there, you've got to go to the far pier uh, through the underground and go out there to use the other lounges. Because there's not going to be an Admirals Club in the main pier.
2: There isn't, oh. no. They there isn't? Of, nope. They got rid of it when they did flagship. I really? At least I haven't seen it every time I've gone. What used to be the Admirals Club is all flagship now.
1: See, so, uh, yeah, you must be right because I'm thinking about it and, it, and if you when you walked into the front desk, I thought there was something off to the right that was
2: right. That was the first class, whatever the, the first, first class. class? That, right, that was the old first class. You'd go through the sliding door, and that was the first class lounge. Okay. And then beyond that was the um. But what's was that? What the first class lounge is now the dining area, but the entrance is further down.
1: Okay. So I, I remember when they like did all the con all the construction, and they had like half the lounge was on the overpass, yep. like up there and what was going on but i i, I really thought i mean admittedly i was fortunate that a few times i've been in there in the last few years which is now long enough ago i can barely remember any of it was flying <laughs> business class so it, i was in the i was in the flagship section anyways but i really thought there was a I know, I was there. I guess not though yeah either way it still sucks
2: <laughs> and so in, in, uh, and it, and actually oh, it looks like there is one now so they must have built it after since last time i was there okay so maybe that's what it was. When the last time I was there, clearly it was a while ago. There yeah. was no uh, Admirals Club. They were sending everyone to the seat concourse.
1: Yeah, it's, just, it's a weird sort of setup in terms of how it's all going to come together. But they're saying they have seating for 1,000 people wow. in the lounges across all of them. Seems that's like a lot to me.
0: Impressive. Yeah. No joke. Um,
2: I mean, it's, but hold on. Like 1,000 seats across the Admirals Lounge, the business, and the first. Is that enough seats for the evening rush? What do you think of the number of premium seats? Yeah.
1: So if you figure they've got uh, seventy premium seats per plane. Yeah,
2: and BA's got what eight flights within what four hours?
1: So let's call it. They do fourteen flights a day. Let's say there's two or three morning flights, so there's a dozen evening flights at seventy seats each. That's a thousand seats, and you still need to get status in. And the and the cutter uh, lawn or Latam, excuse me? No, Latam moved to T four, because they're oh, no longer they, friends. Uh um, Kathy Delta. The cafe, 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 but they don't have any yeah, <laughs> no passengers. Really um, no, th- th- there are some partners. There's no doubt. Iberia will be over there eventually. Like, it's close, and there's going to be status, But you know, not all the seats are going to be sold, and there's some staggering, right? Like the people a- after 6 p.m., some of the people have to go get on planes. But it is a lot of. Suits. Is it enough? Probably not, because that would mean everybody has to sit next to somebody. But it still seems like a huge number.
2: It does, but there's a lot of seats that leave in the evening, and uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, between BA... Because AA still has a few flights, right? They've got...
1: Pardon this interruption, but in the upcoming conversation about the JFK Tel Aviv flight on American Airlines, I clearly meant the Delhi flight. It makes a lot more sense that way. To London, but they've got Rio, they've got Sao Paulo,
2: Buenos Aires.
0: Nothing to China, nothing to...
2: No. <laughs> Nothing to Europe really anymore. <laughs> London is Europe. London is Europe in AA size. Well that's it though. But they also have Tel Aviv, right now. Has that yeah. started? Yeah, I think yeah, think it has.
1: Yeah, and it flies via Bangor most days. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> seriously? Yeah, you didn't hear that? They they uh no. to fly the optimal routing and be able to make it nonstop, they needed uh Russian overflight privileges and someone forgot to ask for that god. and like assume that it would get grandfathered in with some of the other stuff that they have but Russia's being Russia and decided not to and so now the flight goes out and if the winds are particularly strong and it hits us and they, they basically time out the pilots time out uh, and they have to divert and basically land it in Bangor and they swap in pilots. so every now and then you'll see like a 319 do a JFK to Bangor run to carry pilots up there or something like that there's some weird stuff going on
0: that is oh my god Wow. So I did really, not
1: realize that. And then flight was suspended a little bit but uh, for a couple of days, I think. I, it's been super dramatic. Uh,
2: well, it was canceled. It's, it's getting canceled, too. So it canceled on Saturday, canceled on Sunday already. So it's
1: Well, that's there's a blizzard, dude.
2: Yeah, yeah, that I get. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's a good. It's at least been doing it nonstop for the last week.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It really is a wins thing.
2: Yeah, no, JFK will get slammed with the storm with the way the track currently is. Yeah.
0: So um, we've, now that we've talked about JFK enough, uh, there's a boom factory coming to, to
1: Greensville? Greensboro. Greensboro. Wow. The triad area. Uh, I mean, is this the old Continental hangar? I think the building new, but I'd have to look at the map to know where the old Continental hangar was. Uh, the, the first thing I'm going to say is they, they've claimed it's a $500 million investment, and boom doesn't have $500 million. <laughs> Does anything in North Carolina cost $500 million? A 65-acre facility, including a final assembly line for the Overture supersonic airplane that may eventually have engines.
2: So the shell of a plane has a factory, but we still don't have a way to power them.
1: No, they, they said that they're still working very hard with Rolls-Royce on coming up with a design during the big event, but still also promised that it's going to roll out in 2025 and fly in 2026.
2: So after all this work, they're just going to dust off the stack, my
1: engines, (laughs) they got to do it without afterburner. That was part of the deal. Um, No, there's, listen, I have talked a lot about boom and I'm skeptical of the timelines that they continue to present, given that I've seen things like, you know, engine development and FAA certification timelines. And currently, Unless Rolls Royce was actively testing hardware, it would be hard to have a thing that is certified to fly three years from now. And it has mm-hmm. to be, like, installed in the plane to be able to do that, right, for the plane to be rolled out and moving. So presumably, like, they're, they're not going to build the plane and then, like, event- and then like significantly later come back and retrofit the engines. In. Yeah. Um, I know they have to be removable for maintenance and whatever, but, like, I don't know. Um, you've got to design assuming that those engines are going to exist and know what the, like, connectors look like. And if you don't have the engine yet, can you do that?
0: And you can kind of design
1: it, but I think like fitting and all yeah. that stuff still needs to take place. I mean, you could you could design and define what the connection looks like. Right? Yeah, you put you put on the blueprints like you know blue wire here, red wire there, fuel flows here, but like and hope it works. Hope everything yeah. like hope you don't need a design change later. Also, they haven't met any of their deadlines ever. So why would this? Be? And I mean, to be fair, eventually they've got to meet some deadline, but uh or not, but. It, it, the whole thing is a little amu- is pretty amusing to me. Also, the CEO missed the event because he was uh, isolating with COVID, so that's awkward. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was. It'll be interesting to see if it actually gets built, and if it if if the plant gets built, and if the plane ever gets built. I'm mostly convinced that the uh, XB one, the baby plane simulate, and I've said this before on the show, like that's uh, that they're trying to get into service is the is the money maker, right mm-hmm. so they're going to get that flying and use that to prove that they can go supersonic and raise the money to then develop the next to finish developing overture, because is going to take billions of dollars to develop and build out the assembly line and get running and get through uh, the flight tests and all that stuff. Wow, yeah. I mean they're thinking like, thousands of hours of flight testing, and they think they can have that done in like two and a half years on a supersonic yeah. jet that with techno- with a number of technologies that have never actually flown commercial. It's really aggressive, honestly. And, and, oh, by the way, the FAA is kind of being sticklers about certification, being much more strict about certifications lately, as is the ASA.
0: Oh, but I thought they were in the pocket of the airlines. Uh,
1: In some ways, they are. (laughs) I'm just, I'm being a smartass. No, but, but, right. But there's also like when uh, airworthiness directives come out, that's like, hey, maybe you need to make sure uh, your fuel tanks don't explode because of a thing with a wire, you know, bra- uh, abrasion of wires that might be a problem. Uh, but yeah, you can have seven years to complete the retrofits. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, the FAA just changed their or put out a proposal changing the rules for if you file a fake medical license and get caught, typically your commercial or uh, license, you know, your, your certification or if you're a, tra- a training pilot to do the same thing, uh, is immediately suspended. Thank goodness. Um, and then you're allowed to apply for a new one. The, the wait currently, as it stands, is one year. Like So your penalty is a one-year penalty, and you have to go pass a real physical. Uh, under revised guidance, they're now going to change that to nine months. And I don't understand why. I understand. I, I guess that there might be sort of an impending pilot shortage, and that's going to be a problem. But do we want to keep the folks that faked their records as the pilots? Why is that a, why is that a smart choice? Why, why is it not a permanent ban? Yep. And unlike last week, I don't think it's FAA inspectors on a power trip.
2: Okay.
1: Well, that was, that was <laughs> a That's genius. Genius. I know, I'm
0: teasing you. Um, but anyway. Um speaking of weird pilot stuff, uh Cutter has some interesting pilot fatigue uh stuff going on with regard to records being altered and rest times and
1: things like that. it's pretty wild yeah this was a crazy story so it's the hours altered i'm not I'm not sure I'd call it altered although i didn't I didn't understand that part of the claim, but basically management is saying if you're in the rest bunk, it doesn't count as travel time or work time, so you get to count those as rest hours despite like every regulator in the else, everywhere else in the world saying no, no, that's part of a duty day yeah and so um that's worrisome
0: yeah i to me if you if you're on a plane resting in a bunk because you just flew for four hours. That's not rest time. Like that's not active work time, but it's not rest. So anyway, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and some of this, some of this is being, this is coming out from some of the pilots, right? Like they're talking about this and they're complaining about complain, you know, complaining about fatigue and things. Um, so interesting. I mean, yeah. And, is, you know, not, not like good. cutter has anything else going on.
1: Right? Well, I mean, you know, they no longer have their, uh, Airbus A350s, but they might get some triple seven X graders. Finally, they're also leasing a bunch of random planes. Yeah, but I think but, I think what are so they leasing? What else are they leasing? New? I know we had they had the cafe triple sevens at one point. And you know I just heard Oman Air A330s. Oh, interesting.
0: Um, but you're talking about they're going to get 50 fifty triple seven Xs.
1: Yeah, the rumor going out this weekend, and I think Bloomberg's calling it a done deal. Everybody sort of has been expecting it is that. Although it didn't happen at the Dubai Air Show, Qatar Airways will be the, and it, it would never happen at the Dubai Air Show for Qatar Airways launch, but uh, Qatar Airways will be the launch customer for the 777X freighter, that is, and with a 50 frame order, which is kind of amazing since, I mean, Airbus made a big deal out of the A350 freighters, but the total number of orders is significantly smaller than that. Yeah.
2: And I don't see Qatar buying any A350 freighters.
1: I don't think Airbus would sell them.
0: <laughs> we just don't feel like dealing with you anymore. <laughs> Um. Well, but I mean, how does this link up then with, you know, there's a bunch of 787 delivery delays, right? Right now. So is is Boeing actually going to be able to deliver 50 of these freighters? Or is it going to be over 30 years or something stupid?
1: Well, the 777X still isn't certified. So there's yeah. that. Um, the, the 787 thing is the Boeing had earnings call last week and said they're still working with the FAA on delivery dates. And, you know, when asked to comment on Americans' statement that they expect to start getting some this year... You know, early this year, I think Boeing CEO's comment was, we we are covered by the same regulator and are having the same conversations with the FAA as American is, right? So, um, a, a polite way of saying they can say whatever they want, but we're not promising delivery dates. Um, Hawaiian Airways has officially pushed its deliveries out to now to 2023 rather than the back half of 2022. So. It's a problem um, for Boeing. They haven't delivered any in a long time, and it seems like they're going to go well more than a year without any 787 deliveries, plus the mm. rework costs. They took a huge charge against the program again this quarter as a result. So, um, you know, a few more billion dollars burned. But, yeah, good times. Um, and then the 777X still has to actually get certified. And as we talked about last week, if it has to deal with the control stuff that EASA wants different, like, okay, freighters that can't fly over or to Europe doesn't seem like a good product. Yeah. So, um that's going to be an interesting. It's, you, know, you know, watch this space, as they say. It's, I mean, it's, it's happening. The, the freighter is going to be. You know, I'm not sure I would call it Boeing's newest mo- jet model to be to be announced, since it's just a derivative of the Triple Seven X. But uh, yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Boeing is investing in Whisk. I had no idea what Whisk was, so they're buying
1: a whole bunch of. Uh, Things to whip eggs with? Yeah, I mean that's what that's. Or perhaps automated. laundry detergent. I was going to say, yeah. wasn't
2: whisk a laundry detergent in the eighties?
1: Yeah, <laughs> just t- tied, rolled, rolled over them and washed them away. Um, oh it my was. God. Uh, roll tide? No, what? I'm get oh, God. Get oh God! Uh, just, stop. No. <laughs> just, just stop!
0: Aren't you from Florida? You should just be
1: against. <laughs> There's a lot of things I shouldn't do. Um, what was I going to say? Ah. Uh, Derailed <laughs> <laughs> my own. WISC is an autonomous eVTOL manufacturer, so electric aircraft, vertical takeoff and landing, fully autonomous. There's, you know, your, your standard Jetsons um, vehicle and very crowded space. A lot of people trying to make a name for themselves and develop aircraft in there. Um, WISC, as far as I know, is not one of the leaders, but it's hard to say mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know, having something that flies. Like there's a cut like Lilium which is a German company has stuff flying um, not certified. I don't think it's autonomous by any stretch, but they're flying hardware. Uh, Joby is flying hardware out in California. Um, so there are some, and that's Joby is the one I think that United and that in or mm. with Mesa. Um, yeah. Right. So like there, there's some of these out there, but uh, Embraer or Embraer X, which is their startup arm has Eve, which has been gathering a lot of orders. But one of the challenges with all of these is like, Every week or so there's another release of random EV talk company you've never heard of signs commitment for another hundred frames with random customer you've never heard of before assuming they can be built and delivered and you know not, none of it's real until I, there's actually something flying and certified and has or forget even actually certified has a process by which it can become certified all right at this point all the way all these are designed or all these are being built is under sort of one-off sets of rules from the FAA for what would need to happen to make it a real thing yeah. and obviously most of the rules are the same but it's still coming to an agreement you know an a company manufacturing company coming to an agreement with the faa on what it would take to get one of these certified is considered a major milestone not not actually delivering on that but just agreeing what has to be built <laughs> uh, is a big what's, deal what's so, the
2: goalpost that we're going for
1: exactly um, yes. so yeah but boeing put at, even with like some bil- some number of billions of dollars of write-offs this quarter, also announced a four hundred fifty million dollar investment in this other company, and sort of when asked about it, the CEO's comment was, "Well, you know, autonomous is going to happen, and this, this, these guys seem like a good option." And you know, you know, in between the lines, you know, we're definitely not going to build it ourselves, so we may as well buy someone. Wow, well,
2: you know, we could go buy a bunch of electric buses marketed at airlines to replace their uh, small flights, a of the Allentown bus. I like it. We, we, we'd definitely be in business before all these other dolls.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Last story. Kalita's uh, 767s are gone? I Tons honestly up. had no idea
1: that they had 767s. They had a handful of them. It wasn't a ton, but um, small subfleet. And so here's the thing. like, right, Freight is not a shrinking market. And yeah, they're smaller planes, but like, why would you get rid of it? And except that it's a small sub fleet, if you got to, sta- the only thing I can think of is staffing.
0: Yeah. Like, it is just not have enough pilots to fly them all. Yeah.
1: And to keep a small sub fleet of pilots just for that versus getting those, that crew to convert over to one of the other types. Yeah. Triple Sevens mostly, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Um,
2: is Amazon, Amazon going to buy the 76s? It's
1: a good question. I just think probably. I mean, to be fair, there's a decent amount of competition to buy them. It's a sell- It's a seller's market in many ways. Right, like, forget. You know, there, there's a backlog of. I want to say maybe it was trying not remember now. Was it seven six seven conversions? It was like a five year backlog, and it dropped to four and a half years in, for conversions, and everybody got super excited. Um, yeah. but yeah, fully converted, kitted out, already cargo rated. Those have got to go for a pretty penny. Yeah,
0: um, you would think they're they're doing pretty uh pretty well.
1: Yeah, but who knows.
0: <laughs> um, for our Patreon subscribers, we're going to talk a little bit about 737 Maxes in Antarctica, uh, some, some, some stolen computers, and uh, some broken airplane doors. Computers. Airplane computers. Yeah. yeah, airplane computers. Sorry. Fancy
1: computers.
0: Yeah. So, but uh, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you can become a subscriber and get that extra content. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk to you next show. Happy travels.
1: Take care. Catch you later.